0: This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, Pat McManaman. We are in the desert of the Browns coaching search. We think we're at the end. We really don't know. And if you think you know, well, then bless you, because none of us think the Browns know either. But thanks for listening. (laughs) Um. We are on Wednesday, January 8th. We know, confirmed by the team, they're interviewing Jim Schwartz today. We know, confirmed by outside reports, Kevin Stefanski on Thursday, which is how the league rules and the Vikings have granted it. Josh McDaniels headed to Berea on Friday. And um, whichever one of you guys wants this first, of all the things I don't believe, um, the one leak that came from inside to Adam Schefter that said we'd like to have this done by Saturday – I don't know. Uh, is Josh McDaniels really going to commit to you? Don't Kevin Stefanski and Robert Sala have games on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, I hate to be Mr. Cynicism, but like, you know? <laughs> small, small details, Zach. Just a
1: small detail there. <laughs> I took that as another sign that it's it, – all signs are pointing to Josh on this, that they're going to have him in Friday, wrap it up Friday night, announce it Friday night or at the at the earliest Saturday morning. I just – Maybe, Pat, I know you and I disagree on this. Maybe I'm about to be blindsided, but I just think Josh is inching this way, the Browns are inching that way, and they're getting out all the other candidates. They're getting them out of the way because the one they really want to talk to is coming on Friday.
2: Uh, I would point out, I I believe there is a league rule, unless you're Jerry Jones, uh, that you're not supposed to announce a coaching hire on days of playoff games. So uh, I'm not sure they can announce it on Saturday. However, they may leak out to who they've decided on. Uh, I I have come around more to your way of thinking on Josh, Jason, and also Zach, I believe. I think that he is clearly the leading candidate. I think they will make a strong push to him, but I think that he's going to want some things that uh, we have to wait and see if the Browns are willing to give him. Ten
1: years and $100 million, maybe?
2: (laughs) How about coaching salaries? Mama, raise your kids to grow up to be coaches. Holy smokes. They're going out of uh, the number of years and money has gotten out of control. Yeah, I joke, but not by much.
0: <laughs> okay, so to try to limit our talking in circles here, because we're talking about a, a subject, a group of subjects that could change at any time and do based on history. Um, let's stick with this for a minute. Let's stick with the premise that Josh is the is the favorite, is the leader, did the Browns hope to wrap this up on Friday, right? Which would make sense. Um, the flirtation between the Haslam's and Josh McDaniels goes all the way back. We know this is Haslam coach search 5.0. Um, Josh has been at or near the top of the lists. Um, some idiots on Tuesday started recirculating an Adam Schefter tweet from six years ago, in which Josh politely declined the chance to interview with the Browns uh, at this time of year. You know, trying to fool people with that. Um, you know, we know his body of work. We know he's from here. We know he was a head coach once before, and it started spectacularly and ended more spectacularly um, in terms of fireworks and fire itself. Um, but, look, why would he want the job? Because he's an offensive coordinator. He's described as an offensive genius. He works with quarterbacks. He's worked with arguably the greatest quarterback to ever live. And he would see an opportunity here with Baker Mayfield uh, in place. He would see what's probably his last chance to be a head coach. Um here, you know, 40 miles north of his hometown, and he would take over a roster that is not the typical roster that a new coach takes over. Um, We know Josh McDaniels loves comfort. We know Josh McDaniels' reputation is such that not every team would hire him. So for the Browns to hire him, it's not just the contract numbers, although that's a huge part of it, right? It's um, him hiring his guy, him having a certain level of, of authority, autonomy, whichever one of those words you want to use, probably a bunch of them. Um, We don't think from listening to Jimmy Haslam that they're going to turn the keys to one person rather than the coach is going to be involved in hiring the GM. Obviously, the Patriots do this. So it's out there. Um, Guys, any qualms about either what I said or Josh actually taking the job and and sitting in the chair on Saturday – Two years after he accepted the Colts job, then went back on it.
1: Yeah, you know, to me, Zach, it, it feels like, and I was going to write about this a little bit later in the week. It, it it feels like it's now or never for Josh McDaniels and the Browns. I understand in fourteen why he would have reservations, why he wouldn't want to do it. He if 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 he wants to coach his hometown team, there is no better time to do it than right now. He can, like you said, he can handpick his GM or, or have a very loud voice in the room of who the GM is going to be. He's walking into a roster with a ton of talent on it. If he loves Baker Mayfield as much as we've been led to believe that he loves Baker Mayfield, this is the time to take it. And if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen.
2: Uh, for, first of all, Zach, let me just thank you for bringing up that tweet from 2014. Um, it was very kind of you to go back there. Uh, it almost got me too, people, Pat. Almost for those got me too. May have fallen for that tweet. I, I'm not going to point any fingers at myself, but you know, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just leave it right there. Uh, I, I'm going to react to one thing you said, Jason, I I, let's, let's be honest and just ask ourselves, did Baker Mayfield, did the way he conducted himself last year fit in any way, shape or form with the Patriots way of operating? Oh, absolutely not. Right. So are we absolutely positive that, that, you know, I, I, I've been told and I don't know what's true or not, but I've been told that the whole thing about the Patriots wanting to trade up to get Baker Mayfield was not true. That they didn't, you know, they worked him out. They liked him as a player, but they were not going to trade up to get him. Um, Baker's the one who started that, I believe. But to go into the whole story about, you know, Josh, I think that, you know, he sees an opportunity here. Um, I, he's not going to come here, though, without certain uh, authority. Uh, he's not going to take a job that's not going to mirror the Patriots' way. Uh, he, he wants to pick the GM. He wants significant, if say, over personnel. And I think that he wants to have his people in the building. I, I just, I, the interesting thing to me, and maybe you guys can weigh in on this, is how would he mesh with a Paul De Podesta? Because I don't know that the Patriots use analytics in any way, shape, or form the way that teams like the Ravens, Eagles, or, uh, or the other teams, in the, or the Browns want to use it. So how will that mesh? You know, I think the time is right for Josh McDaniels. Is it going to happen? It will be interesting to see because it's kind of up to the Browns to see what, how much are they going to give him. And how much are they going to cede to him in terms of authority? Okay, let's start with the Patriots part of it. Um, You know,
0: the Patriot way, it's... Well, everything with the Browns becomes just a cheesy slogan because it's discarded in 18 to 24 months like all the people who are behind it, right? (laughs) But we know the Patriot way, it it stands for certain things that have produced a lot of wins. And if you want to include cheating in in that way and those wins, you're fine too because that's all part of the legacy. But... They have done things in a button-down manner. Um, Part of that has been an all-weather, always-adaptable offense, right? Part of it has been taking no crap, just plugging guys in. Um, Smart players, maybe over super-talented players, discipline. Mike Vrabel the other night after the game said something that will stick with me. He said, you know, the Patriots feast on bad football, and he thought his Titans played pretty good football for most of the time and really took away – a lot of the things that they do. Um, Jimmy Haslam would not talk about why John Dorsey's out the door, but we know a part of it is the kind of guys that he brought in, right? Just kind of the way that the organization portrayed itself publicly. That starts with John Dorsey's one and only head coaching hire, right? It's a lot of the discipline issues the Browns had, a lot of the baggage, all of that stuff. So in that regard, it's a fit, and you could see why Jimmy Haslam would be attracted to it. I guess my question to you guys off of all that is what about when Jimmy's mind starts wandering in six months and the Patriot way, which we've seen here and elsewhere takes years to implement all of a sudden doesn't produce instant results.
1: Well, that's sort of why I think, you know, we joked about the contract earlier, but I don't think Josh is coming here for less than seven years. I think Matt rule sort of set that bar yesterday. And if that's the case, that's almost exactly what the Browns need. They need to tie themselves to such a long contract, they have no way out, and they have to give it three years minimum. Yeah. You know? And, and, oh, you're and,
0: new to this, huh? <laughs> There's there always an out
1: in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> but it just feels like, you know, if they if they if they go down the path that at least I think that they're going to go down, if they are comfortable enough to where they're going to give him a seven-year contract or somewhere thereabouts, you can't fire him after a year. You can't. And, and nor would I expect that Josh McDaniels would come in and conduct himself like Freddie Kitchens did and, and present a reason to fire him after one year. I think it was really extreme circumstances that put them in this position. I would not expect it to happen again. And absolutely, I think an absolute bare minimum, the next guy has to get it. absolute minimum three years, if not four, uh, before you decide if it's working or not. And I, so I think it could be the Brown, the Browns. You know, incompetence to this point could work to their advantage, to where they have to give such a long-term contract that, that they they have to stay married to whoever they pick.
2: Well, the, the only thing I would say there, Jason, is that they could give him thirty-seven years, and if the and if you know you get an owner start to second guess or get somebody in his ear is telling him things are going wrong. Well, you know. All of a sudden, your coach is is not feeling the support he needs, and and maybe the system that's set up isn't going to work like it should. Yeah, so. but look at how much time they gave Hugh Jackson,
1: and and you know I go back to that more than the Freddie the Freddie thing. I think we all saw early on this is not an NFL run franchise. There's going to have to be some major changes here. So, but I go back to you know he tried to make it work with you. He tried to hold on as long as he could. I I look at that and think if he does get someone like a Josh, I. I Hey, listen, I'm probably just being naive and gullible. I think absolute minimum he gives him three years.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> you're probably just being naive and gullible, which is why
2: I <laughs> can't get on my next thought. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with naive and gullible. Hey, I just got here, man. I just we got here. in there. You know, they had a 2014 tweet that got shared. It's like, you know, we've all been
0: there. Yeah. So, okay, here's the the next thing with Josh McDaniels. And none of us decide this. This is for the Haslam's and and Jimmy Haslam's committee to decide. But we know that Josh's first gig went up in flames, right? And we know that just two years ago he accepted a job and then backed out. And whatever the real circumstances were, um, you know, whatever he saw coming or should have done better and, Treated assistants better and all things like that. I mean, here's the overlying question Is this a guy that when he was 33 years old and had the Denver job, it was simply too much too soon and he was arrogant and he was, you know, just too power hungry and he's learned from all of those things? Or is this a guy who, by personality, by nature, is is going to rub people the wrong way is not going to work nicely and is not going to be committed to the Browns. Like we don't know these answers, but these are valid questions that kind of loom over. Uh, I was going to say the coaching series, but they loom over Friday. It doesn't feel to me guys like the, that. This was by accident that this is the last scheduled interview that we know about. Right. But I, I just think that these things that are out there with Josh kind of cloud that not only his history, but, you know, are the Browns going to know by noon on Friday that they want to do this dance? Do they already think so?
2: Pat, I'm not even gullible. I'll defer to you. (laughs) I'm honored. I think everything you bring up, Zach, is accurate. I mean, they have, he has to address what happened in Denver and yes, he was too young and yes, he probably was a little too headstrong and you know, you'd hope in the interview he might sit there and say, I screwed that up. Uh, and I wasn't ready for it, you know, frankly, and, the part B is he has to address Indianapolis. If I'm the owner hiring him, I'd want to know, hey, what happened there? What what's the, what's your thinking? I've been told he just loved loves New England so much. You know, we all talk about him being from around here, but he he also his kids have grown up in New England. He's lived there a long time, so he's pretty attached to that area as well. That's got he, and I think he will rub people the wrong way. I, I think we're naive to think and gullible, Jason. We're naive Thank to you. think Bill Belichick doesn't run rub people the wrong way. So yeah, that's that's going to be the style he's going to bring in. Um, to me, the one thing he brings that we the Browns haven't had in twenty years as a winning culture, and you know you could make the case that they tried that with Eric Mangini because he came out of Belichick and yada yada yada, and that was his second chance after the Jets. But I don't. I think this is two different people and two different uh, guys. I mean, McDaniel's has been with Belichick longer. Uh, he's had a longer run of success. I mean, they, what have they played like three of the last four Super Bowls counting this year? I, I just uh, I look at his resume. I don't. I don't see anyone there interviewing now that Mike McCarthy's gone who could even stack up.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm, and by no means am I trying to compare Josh McDaniels to Bill Belichick, who's probably the greatest, if not number one, the number two coach we've ever seen in the NFL. But they do have sort of similar parallels where, you know, Bill was in Cleveland, had more success, obviously, than Josh had in Denver. But, you know, a young coach gets fired, takes a second job, backs out of it. So it can work, you know, Belichick proved it. It can work. His reputation wasn't great when he got to new England after everything had happened with the jets. And obviously, you know, the way things ended for him in Cleveland and that turned out. Okay. So I'm not really that concerned. Yeah, of course. If you're Jimmy Hasmore, or Paul de or anyone else in that, in that room, you want to ask Josh what happened in Indy, but I would not hold that against him in terms of precluding him from, from, taking from being my number one guy in, in wanting this job. Uh I just, to me, he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Mike McCarthy was the one that I, I sort of had circled and I said all along, well, if he's the first one in the door for an interview, that's not a good sign. Cause how often does the first guy in get the job? It's, it's not very often. And when you see the way that these are structured with Stefanski and McDaniels back to back sort of to wrap this process up, it makes it pretty clear, you know, where what their direction is, what their thinking is. Uh And I just, I, I wouldn't let Indy stand in the way of, of McDaniels becoming the next Browns coach.
0: That's fair. Okay, um, before I get to Stefanski, I want to go to Andrew Barry. I'm not the only one who's written this. Um, there's been a thought in league circles that all along that Dorsey was fired because the Haslams and or Paul D. Podesta want Andrew Barry to be the GM of the, of the Browns. Um, this goes back to their long-term thinking where they want – like someone to last. They're trying to get someone to stay for more than two years. Um, then has comes out and says, and he's not beholden to this, uh, we're going to hire the head coach first. And the head coach is going to work with us on, on hiring the GM that will help from the start with our coordination, our alignment, um, finally, you know, getting guys (laughs) on the same page. So just curious what you guys think. Um, you know, someone told me that they could see Josh working with Andrew Barry, although given the number of guys in new England that have somewhat GM credentials, it doesn't seem like. That would be the fit. Um, you know, any credence to the thought that Stefanski and or Jim Schwartz, or maybe even someone else, gets the bump because the Browns want to ha- hire Andrew Barry. and even though they said, you know, what what Jimmy Haslam said more than a week ago, now that that it ends up going this route over the next forty eight to however many hours.
2: I would say, <laughs> I think Josh McDaniels brings his guy. I think I think if Josh McDaniels is hired, he brings his personnel guy from New England, either Casario or Ziegler. Uh, Andrew Berry to me seems like a, the alternate choice if things don't work out with Josh McDaniels and the Browns turn to Kevin Stefanski, who I think I think Zach, you were the first one to bring his name up to me, and it was a while ago that you know if they if they're gonna go if they don't go with a pure football guy and they go with the guy that Paul DePodesta wanted last year, that's Stefanski. And so I think if it's him. Or Schwartz, yeah, then Andrew Barry comes into play. Jimmy Haslam thinks very highly of him. He's very bright. He's down with all the thinking, and that I think that would be a, a partnership that, yeah, I think they would look to put together if Josh McDaniels is not the choice. I can't see Josh bringing anyone but one of his guys uh, if he takes the job.
1: If they, and I guess this is sort of a transition now into the Stefanski part of the conversation, but if they, if they don't bring in Kevin Stefanski, At what point does Paul DeBetesta say, what am I doing here? You're paying me a lot of money, but nobody's listening to anything that I say.
2: Well, you're paying me a lot of money. I'm living in La Jolla. (laughs) I'm enjoying being here. (laughs) Yeah, but I I think someone that intelligent, and
1: listen, I've never met the guy. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about his intelligence level and his IQ. But somebody like that has to feel like they're just being ignored when all of their you know alleged recommendations that he's made they don't listen to any of them so th- that's why i don't believe that he's going to be in this organization for very much longer if 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 it goes the way i think it's going to go with with Josh McDaniels I, this may be the end of Paul Podesta to me with the browns because I, what what por- what purpose is he serving if he suggests Teddy Bridgewater and they take Johnny Manziel if they suggest Kevin Stefanski and they take Freddie Kitchens if he suggests Kevin Stavansky again and they ignore him again, at some point he's got to go, well, what exactly am I supposed to be doing here?
0: Well, my, my answer on Paul D. Podesta has consistently been, I don't know. <laughs> However, <laughs> I, I don't mean to sound that negative or condescendingly. I really don't. And, and what you guys just gave me is a perfect segue to, to tell two stories here. Okay. One of them is one thing Paul D. Podesta has done is a masterful job of making the public by, by using the media – making the public believe that he is the all-knowing picker of coaches, right? Um, because how, how do we know from various reports that he wanted Sean McDermott and that he wanted Kevin Stefanski or Brian Flores, right? Well, because yep. he's masterfully let that leak, right? And again, that's that's not to be negative. Um, in having conversations with people, I've, I've had traditional football people defend Paul DePodesta to me, and they have said in the lines of thinking that a lot of times in the NFL teams – specifically the Browns, make this a lot harder than it needs to be. And if you trust smart people and you ask them to do their job to dig out whatever it may be, a stat, a list, a potential scenario, a salary cap, whatever, as long as you can keep people aligned and keep people working hard, there is nothing wrong with having smart people and having the most information in any decision you make, whether you want to call that analytics, whether you want to trump it out as is, is your organization's doing some groundbreaking stuff, or whether you're just sitting three or four guys in a room where most NFL decisions are made, right? That all being said, brings me to a conversation I had exactly about a year ago. Is this Kevin Stefanski name kind of came out of nowhere? And how I feel about it now is I just I still don't know why the Browns would hire him his head coach, a guy that's never been outside the Vikings organization, that's only called plays for a season and three games. Like what what possible credentials could he have that'd be better than the whole rest of the world you've had the chance to interview? However, this is the state of the Browns. A year ago at this time, so when it was generally regarded that Stefanski and Kitchens were the two candidates, this person said to me, there is no way they're going to hire the outside guy over their own guy. But I can tell you there is a push inside And there's a thought externally that you need a face of the franchise guy. That Kevin Stefanski is on list because he's a good-looking Ivy League dude. He believes in numbers. He will run a tight ship. And a year later, we had Freddy's Frat House, and it's up in flames, right? And it even got John Dorsey fired. So maybe this is the time that you need that, and maybe that is the right call. Stefanski, Barry, here we are, the Cleveland Browns. We're not sure when we're going to be good, but, damn, we look good trying to do it.
2: Maybe, That's maybe terrifying. it is, Go but ahead. yeah, is. I was gonna say we've we've been down the road for many times over the past twenty years when they've hired guys like that who, with little experience, and boy, it takes time. You talk about giving Josh McDaniels time to get his uh, system into place. How much time would you need to to wait out Kevin Stefanski and see see if it works for him? I don't know. I mean that. <clears throat> It's, it's pretty scary to me I would and especially when you measure it against the guy who's been with New England and had all that success. Uh, for what you say about Deep Podesta Zach, I, I would say the second point you made is what I keep hearing a lot. Uh, bright guy, good guy, someone you want uh, with your team can, can organize a, a front office, has good input, yada yada, all that kind of good stuff. But Lynn, let's be honest too about it that in the playoffs this year there are three quarterbacks playing that that were not drafted in the time he's been here in the last four years. And in those four years, they've won 14 games. So, you know, it, it's it's all he, – he seems to be getting caught up somewhat in the big Browns mess. Is he allowed to do his job? I don't know. Can he do his job when he's in La Jolla all the time? And, frankly, if I were allowed to write from La Jolla, I probably would write from La Jolla myself. No, you can't. <laughs> I don't blame him. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> I can't blame him, but, you know, what – where, what's the role we don't we really don't get a chance to even talk to the guy to find out what's going on and what he's doing
0: well let's be honest part of the reason we don't get the chance to talk to the guy is the first thing he did was an interview in which he said we never judged carson wentz as a top 20 quarterback right <laughs> yeah there's that the, yeah <laughs> the other thing he said in a different interview is like is look like we were hired to do this and do it the right way and he goes and the problem that people have with the analytics is when you do it analytically driven teardown, there's going to it's going to be a long process. There's going to be bumps, and you just have to convince the owner not to freak out. He's on the record saying this, and then less than two years in, the owner freaked out and hired and fired Sasha. <laughs> exactly. <And> now the, <laughs> So so these are the reasons we don't hear from Paul De Podesta
2: because <laughs> he makes too much sense. But he was right when he said you got to oh, be patient and, and stick it through. And that's what they told Sashi Brown when they hired him. We're going to give you the time you need. Well, I guess not. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> well, hey, look, one other... I mean, that,
2: <laughs> if Sashi Brown picks Michael
0: Thomas instead of Corey Coleman, <clears throat> he gets a whole lot more time, right? <laughs> well, you can yeah, say right. that for a lot of guys, you know. If he doesn't <laughs>
2: trade out of Deshaun Watson, you know. Yes.
0: Yes. Right. So you can say that for a lot of guys. And we got all sorts of time to talk about. What's really next and really important for this organization and for Baker Mayfield? I mean, when every time the name the, the quarterback is mentioned here, you know, I feel like we could do 365 podcasts on the importance of that. But you know, that's that's a, another good segue here. Um, I don't believe that Robert Sala or Eric Bien-Aimé, um or or anyone else is still in consideration. And the reason I don't believe that is that Jim Schwartz was added, right? And Jim Schwartz is a defensive coordinator. Uh, We know he's been a head coach before, yes, but he he was basically a failed head coach before. And I know I guess they all get fired, right, at the end. But that just to me said that they weren't interested in revisiting any of those candidates. So we'll never know how the interview went with Greg Roman, right? We'll never know why certain other guys didn't, but – do you guys feel like that's a fair read that that it's probably one of the three guys still on the docket as we record this?
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair and a, a wise observation to make. I don't know that would have put it together quite like that, but yeah, they're still they're still looking to put more fish in the boat. They're not trying to throw out what they've already brought in, um, and and I just wonder. I guess I just this is stuck in my head the the contract thing. I don't think with with whether it's Stefanski or any of these other names that we're talking about that they would have to go quite to the lengths that they would have to go to to Josh, and I don't think money is an object in this. I don't think that the Haslam's would allow the financial side to prevent them from getting who they really want. But I'm curious what you guys think on that. If they can, if they have to go seven or eight years on Josh, and they can get. Jim Schwartz or Stefanski or one of these other guys for five years. I don't, I think anyone is going to want a minimum of five. Ron Rivera got five from the Redskins and they're as much of a tire fire as the Browns are. So how much of a difference would that make? Do you think if they could get one guy for five years and less money, as opposed to having to extend themselves seven, eight or even more years and higher money for Josh?
0: I think zero. I don't think that's an issue. I mean, and when you look around at who they're still paying, I don't think money's ever been the issue.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they
0: got John Dorsey in and then he was able to bring his top two lieutenants, like the second day that they were allowed to negotiate. Right. They have fired, they've changed coordinators every year even, even more rapidly than they've changed head coaches. Um, you know, if Josh has an outrageous demand, is that a potential sticking point? Sure. Um, you know, and this is part of the deal. Like Dave Ziegler, who's a name who has emerged as as the most likely GM if they can't woo Casario, Casario away, right? Like, that's a hell of a jump from, from pro personnel director to, to GM. And so you would think in the grand scheme that he would not be paid like a GM who's done this before or a GM who's on a second contract, right? But for him to leave, for Josh to get his way, for if this is the, quote, alignment that you want, then you got to pay up, and in history tells me that they will. I don't know what your read on it, Pat is, but that's how I feel about about that. No,
2: I, I would agree with you. I think what we had there was Mister Naive and Gullible reappeared on the in the podcast. Hey,
1: hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said I didn't think that it would be that it would prevent. It was just a them, joke. I'm, I'm curious to know if if if
2: I was missing something. So that time, I think I was right. I'm one and one. Stop. Okay, so you're no no longer naive or gullible, so we give you no, credit I'm, for that. I'm it. still
1: definitely both. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't think it matters. I think what, this guy will pay the money. I think uh, Zach nailed it that if there's an outrageous demand, that gets in the way, but I don't know if you look at a seven-year contract. I mean, the cynic in me says if I'm coming to the Browns with all this upheaval and you know lack of culture and all the problems that have gone on, do I want to be tied to them for seven years? Maybe I want three, four years so I can get out and get to my next job. I don't know. That's a cynic in me, but uh, – I just think that if he's the right guy, they're going to do what they have to do to to get him. And I don't know that money would ever. I mean, one thing we can say, we can say a lot of negative things about Jimmy Haslam, but he's never been afraid to pay people. And his record on minority hiring has been been excellent. So there is that.
0: When he walks in the building and walks up those stairs and sees that radio studio smack dab in the middle of the operation, I, I would pay for a shot right there. All right. Anyway, before I get too far off the tracks, we've gone too far, <laughs> because like I said, we don't know, guys. We're, we're, we're talking through this. We're trying to provide insight. Um, this is basically an extension of conversations we've had on email and text all week. We're all in the same waiting game. Um, you know, I, I've tried to write every bit of insight that, that I have. We've tried to share different views of this, and you know, the facts are we're in week two of a coaching search that's kind of been meandering and wandering, and... We've seen all sorts of coaching searches. We don't know the result. We won't know for a couple of years. Um, but this is what the Haslams thought best. The Haslams thought the committee of Jimmy Haslam, J.W. Johnson, Paul DePodesta, and Chris Cooper would be best, and we'll see what they'll return. So let's close with that, guys. Um, predictions for where this stand. This is Wednesday at 2 o'clock. So predictions for where this stands on Friday
2: at 5 o'clock. In heavy negotiations with Josh McDaniels and uh, Nick Casario to be the coach and GM?
1: Eight years, 80 million. 10 million a year. Josh McDaniels. Is that for Zach? <laughs> for pets to both of you for putting up with me. <laughs> no, uh, it's not good enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough, huh? Uh, no, maybe that's the naive and global side of I me. Mean, I, I really think it's going to be eight years. Uh, I was kind of thinking six or seven even before the Matt Rule signing was announced. Now I'm thinking seven or eight. I'll say eight years, 80 million, and Josh McDaniels will be the next coach.
0: I'm going to say that on Friday at 5 o'clock we don't have a resolution. That will be my prediction. So stay tuned to The Athletic. We thank you guys for reading. We thank you for clicking over here. Spread the word. Um, the off-season plan is one podcast a week. Part of the reason we only did one this week and we waited is because we're all in the same waiting game. So if there is a development, um, we will be back in the podcast game. When over the course of the offseason there are developments, there is news, um, we'll be back in the podcast game. But for now it's going to be one uh, a week. And like I said, we will continue to cover this story and cover the team as best we can with kind of everybody in limbo. So I guess we could say, right, I, I guess it is safe as safe as any Browns prediction can be, that we don't expect any movement before then, right? We expect Stefanski to get his interview tomorrow, Josh to get his interview Friday, and then the process to unfold from there, regardless of your predictions, right? We don't expect a, a major 90-degree turn at this point. Correct. Fair, fair enough. So anyway, uh, for Pat McManaman, for Jason Lloyd, I'm Zach Jackson. Thank you for reading, and thank you for listening to Civilized Parking. Stay tuned and keep the faith.